section forty three of expository thoughts on the gospel of st luke volume one by j c ryle chapter eight verses one two three the holy woman who accompanied our lord and his twelve apostles in their journey and ministered unto him this librivox recording is in the public domain read by marianne luke chapter eight verses one two three and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of god and the twelve were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities mary called magdalene out of whom went seven devils and joanna the wife of chusa herod's steward and susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance let us mark in these verses our lord jesus christ's unwearied diligence in doing good we read that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of god we know the reception that he met with in many places we know that while some believed many believed not but man's unbelief did not move our lord or hinder his working he was always about his father's business short as his earthly ministry was in point of duration it was long when we consider the work that it comprised let the diligence of christ be an example to all christians let us follow in his steps however far we may come short of his perfection like him let us labor to do good in our day and generation and to leave the world a better world than we found it it is not for nothing that scripture says expressly he that abideth in him ought himself also to so walk even as he walked first john chapter two verse six time is undoubtedly short but much is to be done with time if it is well economized and properly arranged few have an idea how much can be done in twelve hours if men will stick to their business and avoid idleness and frivolity then let us like our lord be diligent and redeem the time time is undoubtedly short but it is the only season in which christians can do any active work of mercy in the world to come there will be no ignorant to instruct no mourners to comfort no spiritual darkness to enlighten no distress to relieve no sorrow to make less whatever work we do of this kind must be done on this side of the grave let us awake to a sense of our individual responsibility souls are perishing and time is flying let us resolve by god's grace to do something for god's glory before we die once more let us remember our lord's example and like him be diligent and redeem the time let us mark secondly in these verses the power of the grace of god and the constraining influence of the love of christ we read that among those who followed our lord in his journeyings were certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities we can well imagine that the difficulties these holy women had to face in becoming christ's disciples were neither few nor small and they had their full share of the contempt and scorn which was poured on all followers of jesus by the scribes and pharisees they had besides many a trial from the hard speeches and hard usage 
which any Jewish woman who thought for herself about religion would probably have to undergo. But none of these things moved them. Grateful for mercies received at our Lord's hands, they were willing to endure much for his sake. Strengthened inwardly by the renewing power of the Holy Ghost, they were enabled to cleave to Jesus and not give way. And nobly they did cleave to him to the very end. It was not a woman who sold the Lord for thirty pieces of silver. They were not women who forsook the Lord in the garden and fled. It was not a woman who denied him three times in the high priest's house. But they were women who wailed and lamented when Jesus was led forth to be crucified. They were women who stood to the last by the cross. And they were women who were first to visit the grave where the Lord lay. Great indeed is the power of the grace of God. Let the recollection of these women encourage all the daughters of Adam who read of them to take up the cross and follow Christ. Let no sense of weakness or fear of falling away keep them back from a decided profession of religion. The mother of a large family, with limited means, may tell us that she has no time for religion. The wife of an ungodly husband may tell us that she dares not take up religion. The young daughter of worldly parents may tell us that it is impossible for her to have any religion. The maidservant, in the midst of unconverted companions, may tell us that in her place a person cannot follow religion. But they are all wrong, quite wrong. With Christ nothing is impossible. Let them think again and change their minds. Let them begin boldly in the strength of Christ, and trust Him for the consequences. The Lord Jesus never changes. He who enabled many women to serve Him faithfully while He was on earth can enable women to serve Him, glorify Him, and be His disciples at the present day. Let us mark, lastly, in these verses, the peculiar privilege which our Lord grants to His faithful followers. We read that those who accompanied him in his journeyings ministered to him of their substance. Of course he needed not their help. All the beasts of the forest were his, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Psalm 50, verse 10. That mighty Savior who could multiply a few loaves and fishes into food for thousands could have called forth food from the earth for his own sustenance if he had thought fit. But he did not do so for two reasons. One reason was that he would show us that he was a man like ourselves in all things, sin only excepted, and that he lived the life of faith in his father's providence. The other reason was that by allowing his followers to minister to him, he might prove their love and test their regard for himself. True love will count it a pleasure to give anything to the object loved. False love will often talk and profess much, but do and give nothing at all. This matter of ministering to Christ opens up a most important train of thought, and one which we should do well to consider. The Lord Jesus Christ is continually providing his church at the present day. No doubt it would be easy for him to convert the Chinese or Hindus in a moment, and to call grace into being with a word, as he created light on the first day of this world's existence. But he does not do so. He is pleased to work by means. He condescends to use the agency of missionaries and the foolishness of man's preaching in order to spread his gospel. 
and by so doing he is continually proving the faith and zeal of the churches he lets christians be fellow-workers with him that he may prove who has a will to minister and who has none he lets the spread of the gospel be carried on by subscriptions contributions and religious societies that he may prove who are the covetous and unbelieving and who are the truly rich towards god in short the visible church of christ may be divided into two great parties those who minister to christ and those who do not may we all remember this great truth and prove our own selves while we live we are all upon our trial our lives are continually showing whose we are and whom we serve whether we love christ or whether we love the world happy are they who know something of ministering to christ of their substance it is a thing which can still be done though we do not see him with our eyes those words which describe the proceedings of the judgment day are very solemn i was a hungered and ye gave me no meat i was thirsty and ye gave me no drink matthew chapter twenty five verse forty two notes luke chapter eight verses one to three verse one he went throughout the word so translated is used only in one other place in the new testament acts chapter seventeen verse one it is there rendered passed through the full idea is that of one going on a journey through a place or country verse two mary called magdalene the origin of this name is differently explained by commentators. Some think that she was so called from a Hebrew word signifying a plater of hair. Some think that she was so called from the town Magdala in Galilee. Talmudic authority favors the first explanation, but the second seems more probable. The question will be found fully discussed in Lightfoot's Horae Hebraeci on St. Matthew, chapter 27, verse 50. There is no scriptural authority for the common opinion that Mary Magdalene was ever a notorious sinner against the seventh commandment. That she had been a sufferer from an extraordinary possession of the devil is plain, from this verse, and Mark chapter 16 verse 9, the number seven devils being specified in each place with peculiar emphasis. But there is not a whit of satisfactory evidence that she was ever a harlot. Chemnitius considers Gregory the Great to have been the author of the common opinion about Mary Magdalene. Verse 3. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. This person is only mentioned here in the New Testament, and we know nothing more of her. Her case reminds us of Obadiah in Ahab's house, and the saints in Nero's household. It also teaches us that not all our Lord's followers were poor. Some rich, though not many, were called. It also throws light on Herod's anxiety to see our Lord when he was sent to him by Pilate. He had probably heard of him through his steward's family. It also suggests the pleasant idea that John the Baptist's imprisonment by Herod was a cause of conversion to some of Herod's retainers. Who can tell but Joanna first heard of our Lord through John the Baptist? Chusa, Herod's steward. The word translated steward is only found here and in two other places matthew chapter twenty verse eight and galatians chapter four verse two in the latter text it is translated tutors whether chusa was herod's treasurer or only the head of his household we cannot certainly pronounce the word admits of either sense 
at any rate he was a person holding a high and responsible office susanna this is the only place in which we find this woman mentioned of her past or subsequent history we know nothing many others who these were we do not know the names of most of them probably are in the book of life and the day will declare them minister to him of their substance maldonatus in commentating on this expression quotes a passage from jerome which throws some light on it he says it was a jewish custom and from the ancient habit of the nation it was thought a blameless custom for women to supply to their instructors food and clothing from their substance hammond in commentating on this place thinks that phoebe mentioned by st paul to the romans romans chapter sixteen verse one was a woman who had travelled with the apostles and ministered to their wants end of section forty three